we're here to celebrate you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just shine your light into our hearts as we study your word, that we may walk away with a deeper understanding of you, of who you are, of what you can do. Lord, we worship you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this year for the Christmas season, we've been doing a study called Rediscovering Christmas, which has really been a time for us to look at what you would call the reason for the season. You might see that on people's bumper stickers or things like that. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. So we've been looking at the the reasons for the season, uh, the reasons that Jesus stepped out of eternity, took on flesh, and became just like one of us. He was both fully God and fully man. And some of the reasons that we've seen through this study, uh, you know, he came to, to give life to a dead world. Uh, he came to build his church. Uh, he came to bring peace between humanity and, uh, and God. And this past Sunday, we looked at the, the story of the wise men, and we discovered that Jesus also came in order to receive worship. He came to receive worship. And I think it's, it's very fitting that they were led to visit Jesus by what they described as a star. Not just because, the reason it's interesting for me it isn't just because, you know, Jesus is referred to as our bright and morning star, but also because if you think about it, we can't see literal stars in the daytime. I mean, you have to have a really high-powered telescope, right, to, to get past the, the Earth's outer limits and, and, and to see out what's going on out there in the daytime. But for the naked eye, for you and me, we can't, as soon as the sun comes up, the stars are as good as gone. You see, there's an idea that's kind of implied in the story of the wise men. They followed the light, right? And most of the time, they were probably traveling in the daytime, but let's back up just a second and ask, what is light? Uh, think about that for a moment. When, when can we most clearly see the light? When it pierces the darkness. If I'm out in the daylight, you know, I, I might pull my, my cell phone out of my pocket and I might be looking for some shade because I can't see the, 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 the display screen on my, on my phone. But you bring me inside, like when I wake up first thing in the morning and I check my phone, it's like too bright. But it's the same brightness. The difference is the contrast between darkness and light. And these guys uh, have been following this star in the daytime. So whatever it was that led them to Jesus was so light that it made the light of day seem dark by comparison. One of the other great pieces of the scene of the birth of Christ was the angels showing up out in the field where the shepherds were to announce the birth of Christ. And Luke tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around them. It must have just seriously lit the whole place up. It's nighttime. Nobody would be coming out there. And in the middle of the night, the light comes and pierces the darkness. It must have seriously lit it up. And it seems very fitting that the birth of Christ would be heralded by two instances, not just one instance, but two instances of bright lights shining in the midst of a dark world because Jesus is described in many places throughout Scripture as being light. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 describes Jesus as the radiance of the glory of God. 
That's Jesus. He's the radiance, the light that shines out from the glory of God. The Gospel of John starts out by introducing Jesus this way. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1. And we read this in the first five verses. We read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's backing up to before Genesis chapter 1. This is an eternity past. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made, not anything was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John starts out his gospel narrative by telling us that Jesus is God. And he's always been God. He is eternally God. Then he tells us that it was Jesus himself who created everything that's ever been made. And that's important because it means that Jesus himself has no beginning. It's logically impossible to create everything that's ever had a beginning and yet to have a beginning yourself. As a philosopher would say, you would have to be ontologically prior to yourself. That's a fancy way of saying you would have to exist before you exist in order to create yourself, which is logically impossible. So John is making sure that we get a clear understanding of the fact that Jesus is not a created being. Rather, he is the creator of all things. He is fully and eternally God. And then John quickly moves to the theme of light, which is a theme that we find throughout his gospel narrative. He calls Jesus the light of men. The light of men. The significance of light is that nothing can be seen without it. If you've ever been inside one of those caves where they're like, well, let's show you what pure darkness looks like, and they turn out the lights, and you, you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can't see anything. The significance of light is that you can't see anything without it. Light is a noun which is defined as, quote, something that makes things visible or affords illumination. That's the first definition that you'll find on dictionary.com, and it's a good working definition. But light can be something of a mixed blessing. Because while it allows us to see, while it illuminates and allows us to see, we may not like what we see. That is, while it illuminates the world for us, freeing us from the blindness of complete darkness, it also reveals the ugly flaws and the imperfections in the world. Without light, we would never know that these flaws are there, that these imperfections are there, but we'd also never be able to fully appreciate the beauty of what is good without light. And so as the light of men, Jesus reveals how incredibly wicked and how ugly sin truly is. Since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, God had repeatedly sent these people called prophets as messengers to bring a message of repentance, begging the people to be reconciled to God, to turn their hearts back to God, to point them to faith in God. But their words all too often fell on deaf ears and hard hearts, idolatrous hearts. The prophet Jeremiah 
in his frustration with the unwillingness of the people to hear what he's saying, not just listen, but to, to really hear what he's saying and take it to heart, he said this, quote, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I've spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. So Jeremiah is frustrated because he's one of these prophets. And his words are basically falling on deaf ears. The people had no idea that they were as desperately sinful as they were. Maybe that's partly because these prophets that God was sending themselves were sinners. None of them could have possibly been a living example of the incredible stark difference between God's holiness, his his perfect righteousness, and humanity's fallenness, our sinfulness. But Jesus... Jesus came as the light of men. The one who was a perfect example, pure light. He was a perfect, flawless embodiment of God's perfect righteousness, his holiness. And as such, he shows us how desperately evil, sinful we are in comparison. When the Sanhedrin wanted to do away with Jesus, what did they do? They had, a, they had a trial, and they brought in false witnesses who made up all these stories about stuff that Jesus didn't do. So finally, they bring him before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate you know, is, is kind of between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. He wants to let Jesus go because he realizes that Jesus is innocent, perfectly innocent. He says, why? What evil has he done when the people demand that Jesus be the one to die? In the course of nine verses, John tells us three times that Pilate says that he couldn't find any fault in Jesus. Jesus was the light of men because he was the flawless example of God's perfect righteousness. And as such, he perfectly and completely reveals the darkness in our own hearts. Friends, the wonderful truth of the gospel, the wonderful truth of the coming of Jesus is not only that he exposes the sinfulness of humanity as the light of the world, but also that he came to save us from the darkness and from the deceitfulness of sin. Tim Keller says says it this way. He says, Christmas is basically God's way of telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own. God had to come to you. And that's what he did. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. He had to come to us. So he took on flesh as a babe in a manger. He was the light of the world in the sense that he brought a message of hope and redemption. He spent three years preaching the gospel in the area of Judea. And as the time of his betrayal and crucifixion drew near, he said this to his disciples in John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. He said, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. In a nutshell, what Jesus is doing here is offering a 
kind of a warning to his disciples that he wasn't going to be with them much longer. He knew that the time of his death was coming. So he was basically saying, you need to hear, you need to really hear, not just, not just, not just hear, but you need to listen and take it in. You need to hear the message of hope and redemption that I'm sharing with you. Because right now, you are in spiritual darkness. And the person who's in spiritual darkness is lost. So hear me and believe what I'm saying so that you might become children of light. Jesus knew that the time for people to hear the gospel straight from the source, straight from him, was coming to an end before long. And so we read this when we come to the next verse. Verse 37. Though he, Jesus, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. He performed miracles. He taught with authority. He did all these things. Things that we would think should convince somebody. And yet these people are so deeply in spiritual darkness that they can't believe in him. They don't believe in him, even though it's happening right before their very eyes. And John goes on to explain that the people's hearts were so filled with rebellion toward God, God judged them by blinding their spiritual eyes and hardening their hearts. Sometimes God will turn a person over to their sin, allowing their sin and their rebelliousness to be their master as a temporal judgment. They want something else. They, they, they worship something else. And he says, if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. You can just have it. And that can be your master. And that's perfect justice before a holy God. That's what happened here. These people were so rebellious against God, God blinded them spiritually so that the miracles had no effect on them. It was as if they'd never even seen these miracles. It was as if nothing happened. Nothing miraculous happened as far as they were concerned. And we might wonder, how is that even possible? And I think Jesus gives us a little bit of an explanation back in John chapter 3. In verses 19 and 20, he says this. He says, and this is the judgment, the light himself. He's speaking of himself. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so these people, that's, that's them. They loved the darkness. And thus when the light of man was before them, they turned their hearts even further away from that light. The scene of the people rejecting Jesus in John chapter 12 is explained more or less by that passage in John chapter 3. The people didn't want the light. The people didn't love the light. And so they turned away from the light because they loved the darkness. There's a website called The Experience Project, which describes itself as the place to share, quote, life experiences from people like you. Uh, as of January this year, the site had had over 36 million hits. Um, and visitors, when, when you go to the website, visitors are, uh, are asked to share their thoughts about life experiences by answering questions like, uh, what, what does loneliness feel like? Or... Who do you want to spend time with the most? Or 
What's your favorite pastime? And in one post, readers were asked to respond to the following statement. I prefer darkness over light. And there was a young woman by the screen name Beyond Repair who offered a a painfully honest, an extremely honest uh, and insightful response. She said this, quote, I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am and what I truly feel. In the light, all things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you can't see what is coming next. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. Lost in the dark is a great place to be because then you're free from what you were and can be what you want. The darkness is bliss. End quote. What a what a sad quote. But that's exactly what the Bible teaches us about light and darkness. Why do people love the darkness? Because they don't want their evil deeds exposed. They don't want the light to reveal the imperfections, which is exactly what the light does. But the light of the gospel message also has the power to save us from the dark. Jesus goes on to say this in John chapter 12, verse 46. He says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Friends, it is entirely possible to go through life and just remain in the darkness. People do it. It's possible. And without Jesus, without the gospel, there'd be no other alternative. That's just where we'd be. We'd be in the darkness. We'd be stuck. You can go through life stepping over the boundaries that God has put in place, and you can remain in darkness, or you can live in God's light through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm begging you tonight, I am imploring you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, to turn your heart to the light, put your trust in Jesus. You don't have to live in darkness. Jesus came to rescue us from that darkness. So live in the light. Christmas is about Jesus as the light of the world bringing light into a dark world to expose our imperfections and to redeem us from the darkness of sin. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when God gives us, by faith, new life, In Jesus, we become possessors, possessors of the light of life. We reflect, we were designed, we were created to reflect God's righteousness, his holiness, his light. And as we close tonight, let us remember that our light is not to be hidden under a bushel, but to be lifted up on a candlestick. And so may our lives attest to the fact that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. And I pray, Lord, that you would shine your light into our hearts and that we would turn our hearts more fully to you. As a result of studying your word and as a desire, as the fruit of a desire to live in the light and to belong to you. We love you. Teach us to live more fully. This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. And keep growing closer to Jesus. Take me deeper.